Welcome back in everyone to a fantastic new episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are joined by a wonderful guest today. We have the playwright and performer Brendan George, whose show A Eulogy for Roman is playing now through September 3rd at 59E59 Theatres. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting 59E59.org. And this is a fabulous show. You are not going to want to miss it. I know that this is coming to you a little late in the game and there's only a few days left to see it, but you're going to want to catch it because it's a fantastic show. And with that, that's a great way to bring on our guest, Brendan. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings. <laughs> Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you. It's great to be here. <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy that you're here. We saw your show. I say we, my my producer and I saw your show, if memory serves, right two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And it was fantastic. It was nothing like I thought it was going to be, uh, especially the huge twist that occurred. We were in it the entire time. In fact, my producer and I left and we were like, that is that was fantastic. I want to go see it again. <laughs> and you just, re- as I mentioned on a, another interview with a show playing at 59 right now, you just reaffirmed that nothing bad plays at this theater. Ah, honored, very honored. Yeah, so you have a gem of a show. And I want to start by having you tell our listeners a little bit about what a eulogy for Roman is about. Yes. Well, I find the easiest way in is to know it's it's a, a bit of a genre mashup. We've got, it is a solo show, but it's an interactive solo show, which we've come to learn is, is pretty unusual. So it is audience generated content meeting this vessel of, of ultimately what's a, a scripted journey through a eulogy. So it is also somewhat immersive and site specific. You are welcomed into a eulogy and you meet Milo played by me. And he's a young boy attempting to eulogize his best friend who has recently passed. And the ceremony proves unexpectedly difficult. So he enlists the audience on a voluntary basis to help with the ceremony. And it is a fantastic ceremony. I mean, I think with the audience that was there by that point with the age, we've all been to a funeral of some sort, but I mean, nobody has seen usually a eulogy like that, (laughs) which is the best part. And you have such a great way of like easing the audience to let their guard down. And all of a sudden we just feel like one big family by the end. We're all just in it to win it. We're all cheering each other on. We're all, we leave the theater. We come in as strangers, but we leave as friends, which was just an incredible experience. So how did you come up for the with the idea for the show? Yeah, well, thank you, by the way, too. That's that's you took the words out of my mouth. I love I love that feeling of of community that it leaves us with and that we enter as strangers and leave as something more. And actually that relates the origin of of this show as it was designed. This dates back actually to August 2020 when Peter Charney, who co-created the piece with me, and he's the director of the piece, Peter actually called me with this idea, you know, that was the first pandemic summer, <laughs> things were things were a bit slow. And in fact, the whole future was uncertain in a lot of respects, but especially when it came to live performance and live theater. And Peter had had a few ideas for what could make a show, but first and foremost, he was expressing these values of theater making that he he and I really felt aligned on. And what we agreed as we were brainstorming is we wanted to create a theater piece that was fundamentally theatrical. So what does that mean to us? Well, that means it's live, it's a shared space between strangers, it uh, has some sort of heightened reality that the audience 
takes on board and then is changed as a result of. Um, and this belief in each other and this belief in theater and the form will, you know, give us everything that that we would want out of out of a theatrical experience and and the art form. So anyway, with some of those things in mind, Peter Peter pitched me a few of the ideas, some of which I have to keep top secret so that nobody who's listening has uh, revealed any truths. But yeah, then we, then we started to build it out. And it was crazy because we knew that we wanted it to be interactive. We knew that we wanted this improvisational element to give it that texture of a live spontaneous event that that every house, what they're experiencing is completely unique to them and what's happening in the room. And we were developing it. We came up with a script in only a matter of, of about two months. Now, granted, it has changed drastically over time, but it was funny because we tried to do like a Zoom workshop of, a, of an interactive solo show, which is, you know, not the best uh, platform. But nonetheless, we were still trying to tinker with it, see what could work, what, what could help audience members, as you said, let their guard down a little bit, feel welcomed into the space, feel communal, feel that they can build this culture of trust in such a short amount of time. And that first year of development was all remote and huge shout out to, to just friends and family who we bothered with any idea under the sun. You know, there was no bad idea at that, at that point. And then we took it to Edinburgh Fringe in Scotland in 2022. And then we were invited to come to it off Broadway in 2023 at 59. And it's been it's been incredible. And the show has evolved as well. We sort of, we did what we call the Scottish version in Scotland, and then we did a New York version here for this run. And I think it really has just aged better with time, like a fine wine. This eulogy has aged well, I think. Yeah. I love that journey for the show, though. That's amazing. And I love, like I said, I love that you don't give any of the secrets away because that's really what makes it special. I mean, everything from the programs you receive to, I mean, I, I genuinely, it, what I love about shows like yours is the way you start. I was literally almost like, is this part of the show? Is he just fumbling? Cause I think I came on the first night and I was like, yeah. all right, first night jitters, no big deal. But then I was like, Oh no, this is the, no, this is the show. This is how we're playing the character. <laughs> right. <Okay. laughs> well, and I, I have to share with you quickly too. This was really funny. So, and I don't think this is spoiling much, but I, at the top of show in the pre-show, actually, I am already outside of the venue handing out memorial programs to the eulogy. And this has elicited a, a whole range of responses because sometimes people put together that, wait, aren't you the, you know, are you, you know, people are a little confused, but it's great. You know, it's, it starts to set the tone. And one time I handed this patron at her program, she looks at it and sees it's a memorial program and not a theatrical program. And as she's walking through the threshold into the theater, I overhear her tell her friend, she goes, I have no idea what I just got us into. And she walked into the space and I was like, that is beautiful. I just love that, you know, it's right from the first entry point where sort of dissolving or challenging, maybe is a better word, what the conventions of theater are and what we expect out of this exchange. And we get to build our relationship from scratch in a, in a whole new way. Yes. And it's discreet, actually, because in that way, you know, not to go long on just that one moment, but it's very important for building those relationships in that community. It is guaranteed that I have a personal interaction, even if it's brief, with every person who comes into that theater space. So there's not a person that walks by who I don't 
even if it's just a moment of eye contact as I'm handing them the program, oftentimes they say, thank you for coming. And yeah, that's just, it's so important to me. It's very special to me. And it does help then when we get into the room and we really start going, it's like, wait, we actually already have a history before we've even said hello. So so is there a message or a thought that you hope audiences take away from a eulogy for Roman? Yes, yes, absolutely. There are several I think that in the broadest terms, and I do love to get granular after people have seen the show, but in the broadest terms, I would say this show is about community. It is about belief and hope and processing life with one another. And and it is about grief too. Some people, it's interesting, lead with, you know, well, it's a play about grief. And it is, but to me, it's it's about what we do with our grief. You know, it's about the hope that we that we hold on to or that we find to get through grief. Or it's about processing grief, or it's about how grief can actually bring us together, or it can be a creative force and and leave us with something, some new appreciation on life. So those are those are things that I hope that people get out of the experience with the show. I love that. Finally, for this first part, I want to ask, who do you hope have access to the show? That is a great question. And we've we've talked about a lot. I think, you know, well, one, on a purely accessibility standpoint, both like with abled bodies and and a whole diversity from that standpoint. I love 59. It's very accessible as a venue. And even just last night at the show, it was great. We had this man, I guess I learned his name in the show. I, I don't know if he'd be comfortable with me sharing it, but you know, I just love that anybody through a variety of physical means are able to enter this space in and we can accommodate them into this space. But then beyond that, as far as demographics, I think that what's exciting about this show is it's super intergenerational and everybody has a unique perspective on loss and grief from wherever they are in their journey with that. And that could be people who are over 75, who have gone to more eulogies or funerals than they can recount, or people as young as we've had 12-year-olds in the house who still are able to draw from their own experiences what it's like to lose a relative or even lose a, a, a pet or lose lose a, something physical, you know, is a form of loss and grief that, that you go through. You lose your blanket when you're, <laughs> you're crying probably harder than, than you will for, you know, all of your twenties. I don't know. It's like, but anyway, I, yeah, I just have loved, this is probably, I, I don't want it to be a cop out to say that it's, it's for everyone, but in many ways it, it is for everyone and it's made better by everyone. And when there are those intergenerational conversations that are happening in the space and the exchanges of touchstones and cultural references and expertise and, and perspective and knowledge, it's just that enriches the show so greatly. So I can't help but to say that I want it to be accessible to all.
things up now, I want to give our listeners a chance to pick your brain a little bit and get to know you a little bit better. And I want to start by asking our perennial question to kick things off, which is what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows have inspired you or some of your favorites? This is such a great question. I'm constantly learning and finding new inspiration. I, I'm actually right now in my final year of acting school. I'm getting a master's in acting at NYU grad acting. Shout out. I'm actually hiding in a classroom at, at the new fancy building right now. So I think I'm still in process of of finding those artistic inspirations. But when I really, those those tried and true ones, when I go back now, this is funny. I'm totally going to get roasted by, by some listeners, I'm sure for this, but there is just something about the musical Pippin that that I can't get enough of. I really, and in this subtle way, I wonder if you could see that manifest in, in Eulogy for Roman. But I think, yeah, I just, ultimately I'm inspired by things that spark my imagination. And for me, so, somebody asked me one time why I'm an actor. And sometimes that is a hard question because it can be very easy with all that's going on in the world to feel, you know, to question. I think it's appropriate to question all of ourselves. You know, why are we doing what we're doing? How do we fit into the larger puzzle? And to me, I just so strongly, I, I rigorously believe that in order to build a better world and to live in a better world, we need to be able to imagine a better world. And that to me is, is what excites me about theater and storytelling and performance and film and, and the whole nine yards. And actually on the topic of film, for instance, I've been going and seeing like everything I can in theaters now. I never would have thought growing up that going to, to a movie theater would be like an act of artistic <laughs> integrity. That used to be like, oh, I'm a slacker. I go to the movies. No, now I'm like, this is serious work. This is, and not work, it's serious play and it's serious imagination. And, and I just, um, yeah, I, I just love people who who have this fearless and bold vision for for what the world can be. And that can be as small as what relationships could or should be or challenging the norms between people, between the society and structures that surround us. Yeah, as far as writers and stuff, I love, I can't help it. I love a good Sarah Rule play and, and I like Tony Kushner for, for all his... <laughs> you know, politics. And actually recently in school, I've been digging, I, I used to be very reluctant to read pieces prior to 1970. I, this is, again, we all have our blind spots. I guess that's a pretty large blind spot, but there was something about me that I was like, you know, I'm, I'm really invested in contemporary, but recently I have become a believer. I was like reading more George Bernard Shaw and like the and and Oscar Wilde and like seeing the writing of these people who lived over a hundred years, were writing over a hundred years ago, speak so saliently about the exact same questions that we're wrestling with now is really inspiring to me. So that's the whole that's the the whole smoothie right now of the things that I'm throwing in the blender. <laughs> Love all that though. And and what a great list of playwrights you've given there. I mean, that is who doesn't love a good Sarah Rule? I mean, yes. I know, right? Absolutely yeah. right. <laughs> and I've got to see, and just shout out, I've got to see Infinite Life at Annie, Annie Baker's new play. I love Annie Baker and I gotta see I'm not I'm saying shout out like I have any association. I'm not, I'm just a fan, but I if anyone has a ticket they want to throw my way, I'm, I'm gonna be there. <laughs> 
I now want to ask you my favorite question to ask guests, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? Favorite theater memory that I experienced is, and I, ha- I do have a bunch of experiences I, I treasure, I hold on to very deeply, but I really, what comes to mind to have this memory of when I was a senior in college, I went to Brown University undergrad and I got the privilege of doing, I'm pretty sure my memory stands correct. This was the first time I was getting to quote unquote originate a role in a new piece. It was Sometimes the Rain, Sometimes the Sea by Julia Izumi. She is a phenomenal playwright. She just uh, did, uh, she just was in the Playwrights Horizon season. But anyway, uh, regretfully, So the Birds Are, shout out that as well. But anyway, I adore her personally and professionally. I think her writing is fantastic. And I had the honor of getting to be in one of the first fully produced productions of this show. And I was a senior in college. And of course, again, future uncertain, who knows? I'm scared about the big bad world. And it was my spring. And just the empowerment as an artist to be at the table where the where the piece was being crafted for the first time and to have the playwright in the room to have the director and playwright collaborating before my eyes and with me it was like a whole new epiphany of what the theatrical process can be and it has ignited my love for new, I, mean, I guess nobody's surprised. <laughs> Here I was being like, who needs the classics? But you do, there, there's a reason. But I just love I'm this dedication to new works and and contemporary voices. It really was expansive for me. And I, I loved that role. I loved that process. It's extremely dear to my heart. So I think that that's my favorite theater memory. And then as far as witnessed, it was Pippin, Diane Paulus's Pippin. <laughs> I'll say that again. It was just, I mean, come on. <laughs> I love those, though. What, what that's, Those are two wonderful memories. Thank you so much for sharing those. Mm-hmm. Well, in just the last few minutes that we have, I want to ask, do you have any other projects or productions coming on the pipeline we might be able to plug for you? I so appreciate that. I will be taking a brief professional hiatus because I am resuming the grad acting experience here at NYU. But that being said, because it's my final year, there will be some productions with NYU that I will be participating in. So we've got Midsummer Night's Dream coming up in September. I think in November, I'm in the office plays by Adam Bach. And then in February, if I've got my time right, a world premiere of an adaptation of The Hypochondriac by Moliere. So you know, that's that's a long trajectory if anyone feels really dedicated to check those out. But other than that, I would say the latest and greatest I'll always be, you know, sharing on my Instagram at Curious Be George or or my website is www.brendangeorge.com. And hopefully there'll be nice announcements along the way. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to get back out there. This has been great. Who knows if, if this show, we unexpectedly came back with a eulogy for Roman to New York. We were thrilled to do it. We've loved the experience of, of this three-year journey. And also 59 has been tremendous to work with. I can't sing the praises enough. And who knows this, this show could, Roman could rise once more from, <laughs> from the urn as it were. <laughs> I certainly hope so, because it is. It's a wonderful experience. It's one of the best interactive theaters I've seen, or theater pieces, so I love it. 
Thank you. Well, Brendan, thank you so much for taking the time to stop by and speak to us about this wonderful show and this wonderful experience you've created. I really appreciate it. I love the show. And I'm so glad we get to share this with our listeners. So thank you so much. Thank you. It has been a pleasure. And I'm so glad that you came and that we got to uh, celebrate that as well. You were, <laughs> I won't give anything away to the listeners, but uh, Andrew got a little featured moment unexpectedly in the, <laughs> in our performance. So I, uh, yeah, I, I think fondly back to that. I will definitely remember that as well. <laughs> it was a great time. I've, I've never felt, I've never felt more celebrated. I was like, Oh, me? Who? <laughs> yeah, it was great. Of course. Of course. Thank you. <laughs> My guest today has been the playwright and performer Brendan George, whose show A Eulogy for Roman is playing now through September 3rd at 59E59 Theaters. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting 59E59.org. We also have some contact information for the show and for Brendan that we'll be posting on our episode description, as well as on our social media posts. But for right now, run, don't walk, get your tickets now for the last few shows of A Eulogy for Roman. You will not be disappointed. And if you are, you come talk to me and I'll set you straight. But it's a (laughs) fabulous show and it's playing now through September 3rd, A Eulogy for Roman at 59E59 Theaters. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. Two friends from old New York town met in a foreign land. One sang the praises of If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.